Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent your son into the world to teach us how to live. And then he gave us the promise of the spirit before he ascended, the promise that the spirit would come and remind us of everything he taught us and to guide us and to teach us new things. And so we ask that your spirit would be among us this morning, teaching us, guiding us, leading us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, I've got a serious question for you. And that question is, I want to know who here has serious dance moves? So if you're new here among us, or if you've never taken your dance moves seriously, I want to invite you to sit down. Everyone else, we're going to have a dance-off after the service. Now, just sit down. I'm just messing with you. I'm actually not messing with you, but I want to talk about dancing this morning. So you guys were super nervous, like, okay, what is going on here? I was actually super nervous, too. I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, but I do want to talk about dancing, and I want to talk about the Trinity. Long before we existed, long before there was creation, God existed eternally, right? As one being but three persons, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And long before us, God was doing this eternal dance. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were doing the dance of love and joy and peace. It is a unified motion of distinct persons. A well-known Presbyterian pastor in New York described the dance this way. Each of the divine persons centers upon the others. None demands that the other revolve around him. Each voluntarily circles the other two, pouring out love, delight, and adoration into them. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to, and rejoices in the others. That creates a dynamic, pulsating dance of joy and love. Now, there's a fancy theological word for this that's called perichoresis. And perichoresis means mutual indwelling. It's a way to say, hey, it, don't confuse or combine the persons of the Trinity. It, it could be easy to do so because we see that they're dancing so closely at times. Perichoresis. It's like when Jesus keeps saying things like, believe me when I say that the Father and I are one. That, the, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. We are dancing in lockstep. It's also why Jesus is fully divine and yet he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's also why the Apostle Paul can write to the church and talk to them about being filled with the Spirit of Christ. Because the Christ 
dwells within the, uh, sorry, the spirit dwells within the son and the son within the spirit. The eighth century church father, St. John of Damascus, he explained it this way. The persons of the Trinity abide and rest in one another, but not in a way that they coalesce, but they adhere to one another without any separation between them. Their perichoresis or their mutual indwelling, mutual indwelling is without confusion. For the Son is in the Father and, and the Spirit, and the Spirit is in the Father and the Son, and the Father is in the Son and the Spirit, and there is no merging or blending. And there is, listen to this, one surge, one movement of three persons. And then he notes, it is impossible for this to be said of any other being or anything created. Now, I don't want you guys to think I'm getting all theological on you this morning just because I'm using some big words, okay, like perichoresis that I can barely even say myself, okay? I'm just here talking about dancing. We're talking about dancing. It's the one surge. It's the one movement. Together, the dance, the unified motion of distinct persons. It's a dance of pure beauty and goodness and truth. It's a dance of love and joy and peace. In an eternity past, they have always been doing this dance. And in an eternity future, the dance will always continue. And friends, I want you to know this morning that when God created us, he created us for dancing. He created us in his image that we might have the capacity to dance and step with the Trinity. But when we had fallen and become subject to evil and death, we lost our ability to dance with the Trinity. We were no longer in lockstep with the Trinity who dances the dance of love and joy and peace. And so God decided to do something about it. First, he sent us some prophets to reteach us some dance steps. But it turns out we couldn't learn from them. In fact, we rejected their dance moves, the good and beautiful ways of God. And we chose our own dance instead. And so the Father sent the Son and the power of the Spirit into the world that they had created together. Jesus came to teach us to dance. Love your enemies. That's a dance move. Our Father who art in heaven. That's a dance move. Your sins are forgiven. Dance move. The greatest among you has to be your servant. Dance move. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Again, it's a dance move. And so in John 14, our text this morning, after Jesus has taught the disciples quite a few dance moves, before he does his final really big dance move on the cross, he says to them, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but from the Father who sent me. 
You guys notice that perichoresis move that Jesus did there? He does it all the time. My words are my father's. I was sent by the father. The moves you see here are not my moves, but they're his moves. He says this, those who love me will keep my word. He says in other parts, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's the kind of thing Jesus is saying over and over again. He came to teach them steps, how to love, how to lay down their lives for each other. Those who love the son, they know the dance steps and they dance the dance. And they, Jesus says, are loved by the father. Now that's a curious thing to say and I think we wanna just clarify for a moment. Doesn't God love everyone, right? And doesn't he love sinners? And if you know anything about the doctrine of grace, you would probably say, and don't you know that we can't do anything to earn God's love? And of course, the answer to all that is yes. We don't earn God's love by performance. But when we have put our faith in the son, the one who the father sent, we learn to dance the dance. And in doing so, we are saying yes to the love of God. Let me just give you a little example from my life, right? I'm married to Jenna right here in the second row. There was a time when I was not married to Jenna. There was a time when I was not in a relationship with Jenna, but yet I loved her. I had love towards her, right? But it turns out the kind of love that I wanted to give towards her could only be given if she was gonna say yes to my love, right? Like I wanted to give her like serious, lifelong committed love, and I had that ready for her, but that love became available when she said, let's dance. Does that make sense? It's like that with the love for God. Like God loves you already. There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. He already loves you. But it's when we enter into this relationship with him that we begin to be on the receiving end of God's love in a, in a way that's actually actualized um, and meaningful to us. And so that's what Jesus is basically telling your disciples. If you dance the dance I taught you, you will be in lockstep with the Father as I am in lockstep with the Father. And in this way, you will actualize the relationship that you actualize your relationship with God that God has already made possible through the cross. Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love me and we will come to them and make our home with them. I don't know about you guys, but for me, those are such powerful words. We will come and make our home with them. The Father and the Son live together eternally with the Spirit. And now the Son is saying to you, hey, learn this dance, and we're gonna come, and we're gonna live together, and we're gonna do this together. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus had, be, had begun to tell the disciples that he was going away soon, right? Ascension, the Feast of Ascension is next week. And so he starts to begin to tell them, hey, the Ascension's coming, but I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. He's gonna send the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And because the Father and the Son dwell mutually in the Spirit, when the Spirit comes to dwell in them, it will also mean that the Father and the Son are living in them as well. Some of us grew up in churches where we said the sinner's prayer. Maybe we prayed a prayer inviting Jesus to come and live inside of our hearts. 
And I think this is actually really great and helpful language. Because when we confess our sins and we put our faith in God, the Spirit comes to live inside of us. And when the Spirit is living inside of us there, also the Son and the Father are where the Spirit goes. Those who love me will keep my word. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will dance the Trinitarian dance of love that I taught you. In this text, we first see the invitation into the dance of the dance of love. I wanna now look at the next lines where we get the invitation to the dance of peace. Jesus says in verse 36, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as this world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Now the Greek word here, translated advocate, is paraclete. It could also be translated helper or counselor or maybe in some translations, dance instructor. Jesus says, hey, don't worry. I know I've been your dance instructor for these last few years, right? And I've been showing you the moves and I've been showing you how to leave. And I understand that you actually could be worried, right? I'm leaving the scene. And he says, don't worry. The father's gonna send another dance instructor and that instructor is gonna teach you everything you need to know and is going to remind you of everything I've said. Basically, this new dance instructor is gonna show you some new moves and remind you of the dance moves that I already taught you. New moves, what might that look like? Well, we read last week in the book of Acts uh, about Peter and this guy Cornelius. Those were some new dance moves for Peter, dancing with Gentiles. Jews weren't dancing like that back in the day, right? But the Holy Spirit had to come and tell Peter, hey, there's gonna be a new way that we're gonna dance in the Spirit. And you've never, like, you know, eaten with, with these folks, but I actually need you to go over to Cornelius and I need you, or you're gonna baptize him and you're gonna bring him into the family of God and we're gonna learn to dance in new ways, right? And so the Spirit is there showing some new moves. But then we also see the Spirit at work in the book of Acts, reminding them of the old moves, right? How to teach, how to heal, how to cast out demons, how to give their lives away, how to live for others. The Spirit teaches us everything we need to know and reminds us of the things that Jesus has taught us. As he prepares to leave, Jesus promises to leave them his peace. Back in verse 16, he had said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another dance instructor to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. He abides with you, and he will be in you. Friends, that sounds a lot like getting caught up in the life of the Trinity. Sounds a lot like getting caught up in this parachoresis, this mutual indwelling. Jesus is saying, we've been dwelling in each other. Now the Spirit is going to come and dwell in you. 
How is it that we're gonna have peace in this world? In the midst of everything that we, uh, or everything going on around us? Well, it turns out that God is going to abide with us and in us. And we're gonna get caught up not only in the dance of love, but also in the dance of peace. And finally, there's this invitation into the dance of joy. Verse 38, Jesus says, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And here Jesus is talking about the joy of the ascension. By the way, next week, next weekend, next Sunday, is we're gonna be celebrating the Feast of the Ascension where Jesus goes up to heaven. The very next week after that is the Feast of Pentecost, the, the descent of the Holy Spirit onto the church. And then the week following that is the Feast of the Holy Trinity. So really today's passage really is kind of teeing up these next three, three feastal Sundays uh, in a row that we're going to be celebrating. And so Jesus says, if you love me, you would rejoice that I am ascending to the Father. Why is the ascension cause for rejoice? Why is Jesus leaving a cause for rejoicing? Well, if you wanna know, you're gonna have to come back next week. We'll talk about it. So what's your takeaway this morning? What does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for you individually? Let's talk about for us as a church. There's so many implications. Almost everything we probably wanna do together is here. I was in a focus group earlier this week as we're kind of in a relaunch phase. We're kind of getting ready to represent ourselves uh, to the world. Um, and part of that is, you guys might know this, we're getting a new name. Did you guys know this? Part of our kind of graduation out of our, our mother church. You guys ready for it or should we wait till later to talk about it? So soon we will be coming, Church of the Incarnation, so, um, which is really great. Um, so Incarnation, soon we'll be saying welcome to Incarnation. And as we sat in a focus group, as we tried to imagine a Church of the Incarnation and kind of what we're about, um, the question was put on the board, the what, and the how and the why. So they wanted to say, like, you know, what is it that incarnation does? Uh, how do you do it? And why do you do it? And had an amazing group. A lot of great answers went up on the board. And I'll share, share with you the first thing that came to my mind. For the what, it was we invite people into the life of God. That's what we do. We invite people into the life of God. How do we do it? inviting them into worship and experiencing God's life here at the table as we sing, as we pray. We do it through catechesis in our classes. We do it through formation with our kids in the back as we teach them about the life in God. We do it through fellowship when we meet up in a park to eat and have fun. We do it in our community groups. I think almost everything we do as a church together could be summed up as an invitation into the life of God. 
put in terms of our sermon today, we invite the people of Atlanta onto the dance floor. And we're learning this dance that the Son and the Spirit taught us. And as we learn it, we're also inviting others to learn the dance. You want to go to a class on prayer? Let's learn how that dance goes. Why do we worship together on Sunday? We're here to dance. Why do we serve our neighbors that are on the margins? We're simply dancing the dance that Christ has taught us. The big word of the day, maybe you will be able to say it by the end of the day, maybe I can pronounce it. Perichoresis, it's this unified motion of distinct persons. How do we reflect this as a church? Well, we are one, and at the same time, we, we like the Trinity, are diverse and distinct. We are uniquely gifted individuals, and yet we move in unison, right? And our unity doesn't crush diversity. A lot of folks have a hard time with this, right? A lot of us, we're either going to lean towards, hey, we're one, so we all got to be doing the same thing, or we got to look the same, and, you know, got to be kind of, you. we celebrate maybe one kind of gift in the church, right? And so we're trying to fit everybody into this one box with gifts and dress and all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side, we might uh, make the opposite thing of just thinking, hey, we're all different. So everyone's going to kind of like just dance their own dance, you know, and just kind of do their own thing. And actually, the model of the Trinity that we've received long before us is that these diverse beings with different gifts and different functions, yet they're dancing in lockstep. Everybody brings their gift. It's a great model for us. In fact, this is actually the model of personhood. Like personhood existed before humans. And as humans, we are now caught up in this idea of what it means to be a person. But what does this mean for you? We've talked about corporately. I love to talk about that. But what, what does it mean for you? I guess one question we could ask what are some areas of your life that are out of lockstep with this Trinity, Trinitarian dance of love and joy and peace? If you've been in church for a minute, I would guess that at some point you've seen someone do some dance moves and you were like, whoa, that wasn't the dance of love. <laughs> or that wasn't the dance of peace. Or that wasn't the dance of joy. And we've all danced out of step before. We all miss the moves. And so this morning is just a good time just to ask the Lord of love, the Holy Spirit, hey, show me, what are some ways? What are some ways that I'm out of step with what it is you're doing in the world? I wanna dance with you. Maybe some of you are here and this dance is actually completely new to you. And what I want to make sure that you know is that we actually have no power within ourselves to dance with the Trinity. The power of sin is too great. It keeps us from even knowing the dance, much less being able to do the moves. And my friends, that is why Jesus came. He came to dance the dance that we could never dance he lived a sinless life and he taught us how to live and he taught us all how to move. 
and he showed us the greatest move ever when he laid down his life on the cross to break the power of sin and to reunite us with the Lord of the dance. And it's through his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension that he made it possible for us to enter into the life of the Trinity, participating in the mutual indwelling. My friends, Christ is here this morning and he is inviting you to the dance floor. Are you gonna dance? Take a moment of silent reflection as we contemplate what the spirit might be saying to us in this moment.